to On the Line with the AMA, the official podcast of the American Motorcyclist Association. I'm Alexandra Terhorst. In 2020, an unprecedented crisis shook the world when the coronavirus COVID-19 outbreak left millions ill and claimed the lives of hundreds of thousands more. Life as we knew it suddenly ground to a halt as nations grappled with stopping the spread of the worst outbreak since the 1918 flu pandemic. The impact on the world of amateur and professional motorcycle racing was immediate and profound, rippling through the sport on both the American and international fronts. Hundreds of events were quickly postponed or canceled. Our guests today were at ground zero when racing stopped and have intimate knowledge of how the racing community responded. It was only through the tremendous efforts of people who are rarely seen in the same room that the 2020 racing season was able to resume. Here's Bill Cumbo, AMA Director of International Competition, and AMA Director of Racing Mike Pelletier, describing how it all unfolded. The initial challenges that we faced with the COVID-19 situation, I have significant involvement on the international side, and some of the events were basically postponed. It was really, really strange for me. I was attending an event in Qatar and Doha, a MotoGP event, and the covid situation on a worldwide basis was initially much different than it turned out to be in the United States. We were initially, I think, a little bit removed. And once I returned, things just continued to escalate all the way to the point that things were completely closed down and we were not able to conduct any racing whatsoever. And it was a huge problem for all concerned. Yeah, that's an interesting side, Bill. On the international, I can Shed a little perspective on the domestic front. I was halfway through the Supercross season at Daytona. Prior to the season, there's a lot of lead-up and scheduling venues and the schedule's there and the riders are getting ready. And if you had asked me what COVID was in January or, or December or January, and I really wouldn't have been familiar with it, I don't think a lot of our industry would have been either. But fast forward to March, and we have the 50th running of the Daytona Supercross with a packed house, a great stand, great turnout, great racing. I left there on, I believe it was Sunday. By the time I got to Indianapolis for the next round on Thursday, it was filled with conference calls that week and actually canceling the Supercross event in Indy the very next week and after Daytona for the second week of March. So that was kind of unexpected and left us kind of figuring out what we were trying to do. And as soon as they started limiting mass gatherings, and as you all know, Supercross from that front is full of stands and crowds. So as soon as they started limiting to 250 or, or 100 people in the stands, it makes it almost impossible for us to hold the event. And not knowing where it was going, we started losing venues along the way. It started with Indy and then the, kind of the snowball effect all the way through the end of our season. So kind of left us trying to figure out where to go, how to do it. Can we finish the season? All those questions arose. And it wasn't just a supercross front. It started affecting a lot of the amateur promoters. I know some amateur motocross events just even showed up. People were at the event. It started to cancel and kind of ruptured us through this, through the United States. And we kind of left us looking for the next answer there. I recall it happened pretty suddenly. I just recalled the discussion regarding the Indianapolis Supercross event and having discussions with Mike that it was questionable whether they were going to have spectators. Well, we'll conduct the event without spectators. Next thing you know, that escalated to, well, it's just a full cancellation. And it really hit us. And then shortly thereafter, event after event continued to cancel. So we were at a stage where at one point there literally were no events and we had no method to move forward. It was really quite challenging. Spent a lot of time analyzing and attempting to put things in perspective and to find ways to move forward. 
what we started to find out as we dug into this deeper, it, it was not just as a country and then it went down to the state level, but it really went down to the county level once it started spreading through. And I know with the races canceling and each state was different, but each county within that state was even even more different. So trying to get this figured out and races going again, it was a lot of work, especially with a series that kind of goes all over the country and all these different states and counties. That was our biggest challenge of, okay, can we continue doing this with the governor's office and trying to figure that out per state or is that even going to be a possibility? And then we started thinking, are we even going to be seizing it at all? As it kept escalating, as everyone is aware now, it just kept progressing and progressing, which made it more and more difficult to try to figure that out. The challenge facing the AMA and its racing organizers was unprecedented, but if there's one thing the motorcycling community knows how to do, it's adapt. Displaying amazing resourcefulness, AMA officials and organizers began talking to one another, eventually forming the Safe to Race Task Force. During that time frame, we became involved with a team that involved MX Sports and a number of entities throughout the industry. Basically conducted weekly meetings and brainstormed a method. We worked with calendars and so forth to try to determine a way forward. And from there, that turned into an additional meeting. And I'll, I'll let Mike mention a little bit about that. That was an interesting time with MX Sports heading that up and with everybody involved. But unique situation with that group was there was some of the best minds in all of motorsports coming together because this didn't just affect one discipline or one sport. This affected everybody. So with all those groups coming together, it was exciting and something that I don't believe has ever been done before. Within those meetings, we kind of broke into our own little working groups with the specialties at hand. Some would work on on-site issues or registration issues or recommendations of we're faced with this COVID situation. How can we move forward? How can we progress? And what are some solutions is really what we are after to try to figure that out. So we ended up coming in with a document. Uh, that was an exciting time. And I think of all times, it was important for the entire industry and all motorsports to come together and get through this and come up with recommendations for not just our sports, you know, at Supercross or, or anything, but any promoter at any level could use this document and guideline sheet to try to help go to their counties, go to the local officials or health officials, present this document of, okay, here's the new guidelines we're going to follow and put in place to try to help navigate through this COVID-19 situation. The team actually consisted of five different committees, literally everybody in the industry. The industry is made up of entities that are very competitive with each other. And it was a bit surprising to see everybody at the table. Put your differences aside, put your competitive initiatives aside, and find a way forward. There were a number of people involved, and ultimately – were able to come up with, as Mike mentioned, a document that gave very specific information as to how all organizers could find a way to put programs together, to put a plan together to submit to their local authority, whether that be the county health department or whatever, to receive permission to conduct an event. What I noticed from that guideline was our coordinators in the office that worked so hard and diligently with all the organizers and promoters, as the cancellation started to come in, it wasn't just we're canceling our event. A lot of the questions were coming into them saying, what can we do? How are we going to move forward? And, and the concern of, are we going to be able to move forward? So having this document in their hands, and actually I'd like to do a shout out to Alexandria Kovacs, who was also involved with that um, with that group coming up with those guidelines as our coordinator, uh, motocross coordinator. She was able to provide a lot of those people with that guideline sheet once we had it, to then at least give them something to work towards at their own facilities, at their own races 
to try to move through this and move through this together. Yes, exactly. A number of initiatives came out of that. I mean, clearly the one that stands out is, which is a very common term, is social distancing, having distancing regarding parking, how to function without spectators. In order to get back to racing, we initiated a planned practice day. So we had our organizers in areas that would not allow an actual event. We had them go back to the health authorities and ask for permission to do a practice day, a limited practice day, so they could control the numbers so they could actually prove to the local authorities that it could be done and it could be done safely. One other thing I'd like to touch on is when we were going through this document, Bill, I don't know if you found it this way, but I, I certainly did on an operational side is what I was really focused with my working group. And you start picking things apart. Okay, let's start at the first part of an event when we first walk into a facility or, or on site at a racetrack. As you start going down this list, everything is affected and everything has changed or we need to at least make some type of change from social distancing, like Bill mentioned, the parking, the registration process and every aspect. And especially at Supercross, we do technical inspection and examples like that, that we kind of just take for granted at this point, uh, but had to change every aspect of that event to try to get through this, which I found unique. And we actually learned a lot through this process. It's an unfortunate situation that we ended up in, but you can take any positives from this. We did learn a lot along the way through this, and actually so much so, no matter how this COVID-19 situation turns out, we're going to continually implement these new processes into the 2021 season and beyond. It really touched every area, including at the end of the event, the podium process, awards giving. It's just, it's literally nothing was untouched. One of the things that many of the organizers uh, have transitioned to is pre-registration. We work very diligently with insurance companies to get approval for electronic waivers. I mean, the whole key is to streamline that, that registration process so you don't have people congregating at registration. And that's one of the things that I think will really be beneficial long-term for us. I think many of the organizers are seeing the advantages of pre-registration. And I think that once we get back to the more normal environment, I think some of those positive aspects will remain in place. The work of the Safe to Race Task Force was instrumental in getting racing restarted across America. While challenges remained, early successes provided a framework for racing to resume, and many lessons were learned along the way. One of our success stories, I would say, is the first GNCC event after things closed down in Georgia. I actually had the opportunity to attend that event, and it was literally it was the first large-scale event that took place in the country. And it was a huge success. It took place without spectators. However, at GNCC, they come with their family. They come with a team that support them and help them. If I'm not mistaken, I think we had close to 1,800 entries. And it was just a huge success. There were no issues. Since it was the first one, we had health officials from the county that it took place uh, in in Georgia that were on site. Everybody was pleased with, uh, with the implementation. And then we went on to have a number of other GNCC events and a number of other large events. It was uh, basically that opened the door for things to get back to racing on the amateur side. Yeah, and I can uh, just reflect on that a little bit. I was just down at the AMA Amateur National Motocross Championship at the Red Limb, in which we had to implement a lot of that social distancing. And the MX Sports crew did a fantastic job of setting those signs up and mandatory mask zones and 
just to touch on that registration process, like Bill says, those electronic waivers eliminated one of those parts of registration that would back people up in line and not having that and utilizing those digital waivers was a big benefit. And we were able to separate per class certain times that they would come to registration. So we wouldn't have this big flood of people coming into the registration area, but we actually gave them designated time. So that seemed to work really well. And I think I've heard a lot of promoters around the country now starting to do that with online registration, pre-registration, the digital waivers. And these are all positives that come away from that. The AMA Emerge National Motocross Championship went to a super regional format. A lot of the local promoters around the country that were granted a regional had to utilize this and did a fantastic job uh, for all accounts and purposes of mandating the masks and the social distancing and actually got us through that regional program to be able to set us up for the actual Bill Ritalin race. Another success story, I just have a unique perspective I'd like to share is, is the Supercross series with Feld Entertainment and all the work that went to that was impressive, not only just with the promoters Feld and us at the AMA, but the teams and all the OEMs that behind us as well, because without racing, as you can imagine, it, it's difficult on everybody. And we weren't the only ones affected of, you know, shortened staff and, and having to work remote, but the OEM manufacturers were as well with the race teams. So we knew we had to get back racing and it was important for us to do so, but also important for us to do it right in our perspective. So uh, it took some time. Uh, we didn't just jump into it. Our season typically ends beginning of May, around May 5th. And then we actually started back up May 31st. We were able to race in Salt Lake City, Utah for all remaining rounds, which is a unique situation. And not every series can do that. But not leaving that city, we were able to do things like lock the paddock down, fence the paddock with security. Everyone had to take the COVID-19 test coming in. Before you could come into the paddock, you'd have to get the results from that test. So different things like that, uh, unique situations, but Feld and, and here at the American Motorcyclists Association and the teams coming together, uh, that was another success story, being able to finish that Supercross season. We had similar scenario on the professional side with Road America, the first Moto America round. The first event took place without spectators, much different than normal. But it was successful, and that was basically just testing the waters. And then we returned two and a half weeks later with spectators for the second event of the Moto America Series, which, again, was very successful. It was a good way to restart the series. There have been an event at Atlanta with spectators, also in Pittsburgh with spectators. So things are moving forward. One thing I'd like to bring up as well is with everyone working mostly remote uh, for a time being, I know some people are back to work now, but as a country as a whole, sitting home and, and being cooped up, if you will, for a while. I know the interest is there to get back on their motorcycles and get back out there riding, whether it be competitively or, or on their street bikes and adventure rides or whatever that may be. But we've seen certainly an increase in the racing starting to come back. The promoters and clubs are starting to organize these events again and trying to make up for what they lost in the spring and give an outlet for these people to go and do what they love. So I think we're going to start to see a lot of events start to pop back up. It's going to be a challenge of not scheduling on top of each other and always work through that because we're kind of shuffling everything into the fall now. But nonetheless, it's really exciting to see the growth come back, the excitement come back, and people getting back outside, doing what they love, riding their motorcycle. We've definitely seen an increase in participation. There's an in increase in entries. In some cases, there's an increase in spectators. So all of that is really good news for us. One of our big challenges, especially on the professional side, and it leads to the amateur side as well, there were definite challenges in attempting to help riders get into the U.S. to participate in events. Mike was initially involved in that aspect, I believe, with Supercross, and we also found it problematic for Moto America. 
The unique situation there we faced in Supercross was a lot of our riders, international riders, if you will, if they don't have a dual citizenship or they don't live here, come over for the season. So they come over starting usually in December uh, or maybe earlier and go through May and then they go back home because we are a world championship. So we do have a lot of international riders and, and activity, which is great for our sport and series. The unique thing we faced was once we canceled those events and we're trying to figure out how we were going to go back racing, a lot of those riders went home. For them to all go home and then try to come back when we did that, we faced that trouble, like Bill's saying, of, of working with them, trying to come back over. And unfortunately, there was a couple that didn't. Uh, some chose not to come anyway, just due to what was going on in the world. Um, but that was certainly a, a situation we faced and, and was a difficulty. We have riders that are trying to get back out of the country even U.S. riders that are trying to get out of the country to, to participate. Yeah, I think that's one of the challenges Bill will continue to face. And as you know, traveling personally overseas, it's still a pretty difficult task, not just coming to the United States, but, but leaving the United States, going somewhere else. So I don't think we're out of the woods on that one yet, but uh, continue to work towards it. I, I, I see a positive light coming soon, hopefully. I'm more optimistic about it, but uh, you know that, that will be a challenge we continue to work through. Definitely. It's one of the best aspects that I've encountered is uh, uh, the challenges of getting back into the United States. Once I've gotten out of the United States, there's no issues getting back. As a, as a U.S. citizen, at least they're not blocking that at this stage. So all is well on, on that front. From an AMA side, I, again, like we said, the activity is going up. You know, hopefully these numbers continue to stay down in the COVID realm. But I think racing overall is going to get back to somewhat normalcy. I kind of use air quotes there. I think we're still going to have to use certain protocols and guidelines for the time being, but I think the racing activity is picking up and, and you're going to start to see a positive light here soon. It's definitely picking up. As you mentioned earlier, Mike, there's a lot of variation as to different parts of the country and different authorities that are controlling this. But in general terms, you're absolutely right. The, the racing is coming back. As a matter of fact, I think we have 40 motocross events for this coming weekend. Definitely a lot of activity, which is a very good thing. Yeah, I think we'll have to continue to still work with the local counties and, and health officials. Uh, as you mentioned, some of the states are, are still a lot different. There's so many variants from state to state still at this point, because I, I know that firsthand working back in May trying to with Supercross, but uh, that hasn't seen to change much. And some are opening, some are starting to go back a little bit, or some are just hesitant to jump in and, and open back up, which is understandable. So that's the difficulty we face at the AMA working with Nationwide, those promoters and everything. and it adds a little different element when there's a series that goes state to state or something like that. So still things to work through or not through that yet by any means, but continue to improve and stay in contact with the local health officials, I think will, will be a benefit in trying to move forward. We continue to work on electronic solutions as well. We do have insurance companies approval for electronic waivers. We're continuing to work with obtaining that approval from other insurance companies. There have been a number of software entities that have the electronic waiver portion into their pre-registration programs. I think in the future, we're going to see more and more organizers continue to use pre-registration. We are working also on a solution for uh, application pads that, that's typically somewhat of a manual process that requires a lot of interaction. We're, we're looking at some electronic solutions there uh, also to streamline that process, reduce any congestion, at registration. I think anything moving forward with electronic solutions is a positive, especially at the AMA and with our promoters and organizers. And that pre-registration aspect is huge. And that's really where a lot of the contact comes in. 
is that beginning of the event or leading up to that event. So anything electronic is helpful, especially if we, with the app pads. Going back to those guidelines, any swapping of pens or even getting down to those little basics that you just wouldn't think of touching a piece of paper and, and holding it and passing it to another person. Those are the things that have changed and that's the things we have to work on. So all these electronic solutions can not only fix that, but help improve our sport and, and move forward together through that. There'll be positive changes that will extend into the future. There's no, no question about it. A better experience for the participants. The work of many individuals, including AMA staffers and volunteers, helped ensure the success of the Safe to Race Task Force. Their commitment to rolling up their sleeves and working in the trenches paved the way for motorcyclists to return to amateur and professional competition. Michael Sayre of Government Relations has been very helpful. Michael participated in the Safe to Race Task Force, very proactive in assisting us with requests for international riders and basically getting involved with even with the local governments when it's necessary to help with assisting and getting back to racing. Other things that I'd like to bring up with just racing department-wise is Ken Salon and Eric Kudla and Connie Fleming, Ali Kovacs, Joe Bromley, you name it, and they dug in and they didn't hesitate and trying to help our organizers through this and, and be there for them and you know doing two or three different responsibilities at once. And it was a group effort, and uh, I'm happy to see that uh, we're coming through this, and we're still working hard and, and improving the racing department daily. Absolutely, and one other person I would like to mention is Hub Brennan. Hub Brennan was very instrumental. He is a member of the AMA Board of Directors. He is a member of the FIM Medical Commission, and he's also a member of our AMA Safety and Medical Commission and also a member of the Trial Commission. So he was instrumental in assisting in Safety Race Task Force and has always been very helpful. Also, Paul Lyman and Dr. John Bodner, who work with the Supercross program, were huge assets to the Safety Race Task Force. Absolutely. Those, those guys that I deal with on a weekly basis there at Supercross are so knowledgeable, and especially through a time like this where... A lot of medical comes into play and, and how we can make things better. They, they just jumped at this opportunity and, and were tremendous assets through all of this. Finishing Supercross, with all the stress and everything, putting it together, was kind of the turning point for me to realize that we were back racing and, and you know, life will go on through this. Competing without fan support was a new experience for many racers, especially Supercross riders. Without the cheers of fans, what did racers listen to? Without the fans, the riders aren't used to that, and we aren't either. So it's really quiet in those stadiums. Believe it or not, it's kind of like a free practice day or something we're not used to before the crowd usually generally comes into the stadium. So we issued that first gate drop, and you know the riders, for the most part, were well-behaved and, and really got through the track well. and. And there was really no issues, you know, quote unquote, that we saw in that first race. And I hear on the radio, Mike, we'd like you down at the truck. The rider would like to talk to you. And I said, I'm oh, sure I'll be right down. No problem. Uh, so I get down to the truck and I'm trying to think through my head, you know, I can't imagine what this is about or I didn't see anything happen. And I'm kind of, you know, that whole walk down wondering what it is. And I get there and, and the rider says, uh, we're starting to overthink things down on the line. And um, is there any way you can play some music as we come out? Because uh, they're so used to that crowd noise or anything at that point just to try to take that focus off a little bit on that race with, the, with the, such a silence. 
like kind of for me was the turning point of okay we're back we're racing and, and the guys are back our thanks to bill combo and mike pelletier with ama racing learn more about ama racing at americanmotorcyclist.com On the Line with the AMA is a production of the American Motorcyclist Association. Since 1924, the AMA has been promoting the motorcycle lifestyle and protecting the future of motorcycling. 